everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of So I've Been Told. I'm sorry that there's been such a long gap in between episodes. Real life has gotten in the way of podcast life. I have been very busy. And this week, I have been very sick with this crazy stomach virus. And just haven't even had the energy to do something as simple as finish putting together this podcast until today. So anyway, my guest is Robbie Allen of Hideout. Now Hideout is a sweet melodic hardcore band from here in Rochester. They are one of my favorite Rochester bands, so make sure you check them out. And before we go into the interview, I'm going to play Canvases by Hideout. Enjoy. going good how are you man good dude i'm um, so stoked to be here yeah it's gonna gonna be fun I, I was like i said earlier you were one of the people that i thought of very flattering I, when i first started this because i like your band a lot and you guys are doing really cool stuff thank you so how did you 
first get into like punk rock and hardcore? Yeah. What was so, your introduction to it? Uh, it's actually I was I was excited to talk about this here, mainly because there's been like a shift of identity, I guess, for me. And just, just in the eyes of those who are listening to Hideout, what Hideout is doing. I was basically, I started off in middle school as your normal sort of uh, struggling to find his identity sort of middle school kid. Actually, remember, um, <laughs> I bought a pair of those $50 Hot Topic pants with like the, the belts all over them. And I had like the awful like mario brothers shirt that went down to my knees and like he couldn't you know i didn't know it was it was amazing but uh (laughs) how old are you this is me at like i'm probably 13 at this point okay and how how old are you like oh now i'm 27 okay so i'm I'm an old guy yeah yeah so i um i played a lot of video games because there's nothing to do growing up in kendall so a dude online introduced me to a guy i used to game with who was my age introduced me to bands like catch 22 and less than jake and basically, I really liked ska music. I was a big, huge, awesome, cool ska kid with my checkers. It was it was amazing. And the reason I gravitate towards it is like this is in like their early two thousands when bands like I don't know like Hawthorne Heights and like Sayosin and all those like emo core bands are really popular. And that was I wasn't that sad. I guess maybe I was that sad, but I didn't want to be. So ska was like here's a way for you to be happy. Here's a way for you to escape from like that whole thing. And it's, it was, it was pretty trite. Like a lot of that was really trite stuff. I mean, somewhat, some of that stuff has mature, like lyrical content. And I still like a lot of that music, but that was my introduction to any music that had any grit to it. It wasn't like, you know, your normal mainstream stuff. And shortly after that, I discovered uh, the unseen. <laughs> have you ever listened to the unseen? I, I have, yeah. yeah, dude, the unseen is amazing. And I was like, okay, this is this is punk with like yelling. Like we can we can do this, you know. I like told myself it was okay to like yelly punk. And then I was in Fye and I picked up a comeback kid record. I picked up Wake the Dead and I used they used to have those like listening stations. Yeah, do you remember those? Yeah, I put the uh, the headphones on my head and I listened to like the first track on Wake the Dead or. Or yeah, that's what the album was, "Wake the Dead," and I was like, "Isn't, isn't the first track 'Wake the Dead'?" Too? No, the first track is, uh, "Yeah, it's, uh, uh, this is my final goodbye." Yeah. yeah, and that was basically that's how I like kind of got into hardcore, and then like after that in college, it was like "Have Heart," "Verse," "With Honor." Those are the mm-hmm. bands that like, I really enjoy. But the the thing is that where I'm at now, a lot of hardcore kids were you know grew up with hardcore they started with black flag they started with minor threat and the progression is very natural um i kind of arrived there through punk and i have always really liked bands like flatliners hot water music yeah. uh loved ones like melodic songwritery punk stuff best bands yes exactly yeah, yeah that, some of those midwestern bands uh like my friends in due north like they have that sort of americana punk sort of sound i really like very chordal very songwritery music and so Hideout is my attempt to marry that way of thinking about music to hardcore music. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to do. Like whether it's working is whatever. But like <laughs> the guys I play with are, I'm lucky enough that they like cooperate. So it's pretty cool. Cool. So you're the, you're the main songwriter? No, I wish, I wish I could say that and like have it go on record and feel like a cool guy. Be like, yeah, it's all me. There are tracks on the record that were definitely mostly my contribution. There are other tracks on the record I have very little to do with. Okay. The band is very collaborative and, and cool. generally. Now, lyrically, 
all it's all my writing almost exclusively except Rainier, which is travis's that's all travis but on the whole record yeah, the album lyrics are mine but as far as the structures go even the chord progressions we bounce off each other there is no soul force i know some bands have like one guy that kind of does everything that's that's not us at all yeah so i've been in been in both kinds and both have yeah. their, their uh positives and negatives which now one? Go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, which one do you like more? Do you like being Um, the guy in control, or do you like... uh... I I wasn't the guy in control. Gotcha. And there's a part of me that loves just... uh, I love just writing my bass parts, and this was like my first band, and I was way more into... I was just into being in a band more than I'm... I I wasn't an artist at all. I just liked being in a band, and I was really full of myself, and I liked the attention. Aren't we all? I just love going nuts. <laughs> there's a narcissism involved. There's a yeah. ever-present narcissism that uh, obviously there's some of that going on with me. Otherwise, I I wouldn't have started a podcast. Yeah, that's okay though. So <laughs> you're allowed to be. It's totally fine. I figure this is a good a good way to curb it. Yeah. So or at least you can you can pan it off on me. You can t- say I'm talking about myself, and so it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, I like to keep the focus on on my guests. Not that I don't ever want to talk. Yeah, yeah. It's my podcast. Oh uh, yeah. Want. So you were gonna ask me a question before I yeah, made you was, talk about yourself. No, that's alright. <laughs> I was just gonna go back further. Now, how, what was the first show you went to? Okay, this is cool. So I am super close with my mother. Uh, I've always been very close to my mother. She's a wonderful woman. I didn't grow up. I have a, an awesome stepfather. But I didn't grow up close to any male figures. Really, I was always close to my mom. Kind of learned how to be a man for my mom. So like being sensitive was always okay in my house. And that was cool. And my mom introduced me to music. Now, despite the fact that my mom was very lovey dovey, she liked, we didn't listen to any hippie stuff. There was no like quiet, anything. It was very like, uh, one of my favorite memories of my mother is I, I was, I just told you before we started the podcast, I can't wake up early in the morning. Yeah. And my mom she would wake me up for school. She'd put uh, Led Zeppelin vinyl on, and the speakers were in the living room below my bedroom. I would be like 9, 10, 11 years old, and she'd put on like Black Dog or A Whole Lot of Love. And it would literally resonate, like it would hit the resonant frequencies of like things on my desk in my room, and it would vibrate. Nice. And then she would open the door, and always without knocking, my mother would never knock. She'd open the door without knocking, and she'd jump on the bed, and she'd air guitar to like the ble- <laughs> to like the Led Zeppelin. And so, like distorted, like yucky rock and roll was always in my house. And my awesome. mom, my mom never listened to music at like a middle aged woman's volume. It was always like I'm. 15 in my car volume so like our house was always like shaking windows we'd swim in the pool and she'd put the speakers in the windows and always rock always uh zeppelin stones aerosmith stuff like that so like that was how i got into music so my mom i was 12 and i i didn't even it wasn't even like a, i wanted this thing she was like it's time for you to go to shows and like she took me to see sticks <laughs> Oh, and wow. Sticks was the first band I'd ever heard. And, like, I, or first band I ever saw. And, like, I smelled weed for the first time at that show. I was like, what is that smell? And Mom's like, that's weed, son. Like, <laughs> people smoke weed. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe people. So that was kind of the start of the whole thing. Word. Yeah. The start of your weed smoking. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> for the record, I'm I'm nailed to the X. No, but I, I, I'm straight edge. But not, not like that. <laughs> Try not to be a jerk. Word. Now... When did you? St- what was your first like punk show? Or yeah, and, and so, punk like broadly. Yeah, I it's broad. So yeah. like I told you, I was like a big ska kid. So my mom's uh, plan to take me to shows and get me to rock and roll. It's like a pseudo backfired because I made her take me to Sky's Dead in 2004, which consisted of Mustard Plug, Big D and the Kids Table, and nice. Big D and the Kids Table used to be like a nasty punk ska band. They used to be filthy. Yeah. Yep. And Catch Twenty Two played that show, and so did Planet Smashers. Okay. And it was at Steel. 
Did you ever go to Steel? That was way before my time. Okay. I'd, I'd heard of it. Steel Music Hall? Yeah, Steel Music Hall, yeah. So I, I'm kind of dating myself here. Because I know you just did interviewed what? Alex, and he said he was 21 in the podcast, and I was like, God damn it, I'm old. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not from here either, oh, okay. so I mean, I, I Got missed you. out on a lot of You're an implant. Stuff. You're an import. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she took me to that show, and I remember thinking, I couldn't believe how, I never heard Big D in the Kids Table before, and I couldn't believe how bad they smelled. They got up on stage and they just reeked like shit. And, and and I'm again I'm 14 and they smell, and they were their music was so gross and like the trombone player his spit valve was like leaking and they were screaming and they were jumping around and I, I it was very uncomfortable. And I left yeah. the show and I was like that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and like that was when like I started to you I think you don't accept like you don't understand why like filthy I use that word a lot but like dirtier music is good until you experience it in a visceral way yeah. that connects to your humanity. You know, there's something very visceral, even about like, we, sometimes I talk with my friends about like the visual element, like when a band like all moves together and if it's in a venue where there's a little bit of give in the floor mm-hmm. and you can feel it and it adds to like the, the pressure of hits and stuff, yeah. I really pay attention to stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was like my first like punk rock show. And then that was, I never, that was the complete, that I never switched back after Weird. that. That was a permanent thing. So, were you ever into Five Iron Frenzy? No, Five Iron Frenzy. I think by the time I found out about them, they were like too like they were too like poppy. They, yeah, they got weird towards the end. But yeah, those, I, they're one of my all time favorite bands. I grew up listening to them. So, which I mean, you're you said you're 27 and yeah. I'm 29. Like we're right in that sweet spot where like when we were like early middle school, Sky was. Huge. yeah for sure for sure and and like um the, the third wave of like punk scott was really big in that early mid 2000s when i was yeah. first getting into music so and it was it was it was uh even more attractive like i said because the only other option was your like really standard like the early emo core and 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 i don't mean that in a way in a derogatory way that i don't like that music i i've always i've always really liked like starting line like that yeah. emo pop punk fusion stuff i like that stuff but at the time i didn't I was a really sad young young kid, and I wanted to not be sad. So I didn't think that the sad music was going to make me feel less sad. So I just kind of, you know, you're like, fake it until you make it. I pretended I was happy and listened to Scott and, like, lived through it. And then I actually became, like, really like that. Yeah, I mean, when I think of when I was most into Scott, it was middle school. Then high school, it moved more into, like, the the punk and yep. the pop punk. And then... More mature, kind the of. later it went, the, the heavier I got in... I got into more heavier music and weirder and all that, but I definitely understand like there's there's like this optimism that you have yeah. as like a middle schooler and then that so ska is really attractive and yep. then that optimism kind of gets uh, tempered by reality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what was the first band you played in and how old oh. were you when that when okay. you started playing in bands. <laughs> this is what's great about this podcast is I have to unbury an embarrassing past. That's that's what I <laughs> that's love what's fun about it. doing. And especially if you drop a name that I think I can find on the internet, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So, oh, God. Okay, okay. I'll still do it, though, because I think I've learned to accept it as just funny now. Actually, when the minute I got out of the van and we got back from tour and the guys all drove back to the hideout house, I'm the only one who doesn't live in the hideout house. And... Uh, they Travis put on my first band. Travis went to high school with me. Okay. My first band was a band called the Bovine Rebellion. How appropriate of a high school ska <laughs> band name. And I was 
15 years old when I started that band. Uh, I was the vocalist. I started by playing a little bit of trombone. I can okay. know, I know where like some of the notes are. I thought I could like figure it out, but I was just a vocalist. And then I eventually learned to play guitar because the guitar player quit. So I learned, that's how I learned. I was like, Oh, we have a show in four weeks. I don't play this instrument. I literally spent like seven hours a day playing guitar for like a month to just learn all, and learn nice. all these like easy songs. That was my first band. Then I ended up. If I should go through my history, yeah, yeah. So then, go through all of it. Okay, cool. I'll, I got I'll, nothing better to do. I'll get. <laughs> all right, I'll give like the boring. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll gloss over the middle parts uh, a little less. So then there was uh, another high school band called the Peg Leg Pirate Squad, which was like a more punk ska band. That's when I was right. listening to like Flatliners and freaking. Uh, freaking like stuck lucky and like dirty okay. i just saw stuck lucky last night so it's like really in my in my mind like really just like scratchy throaty like punk ska stuff yes. so that's what i was trying to write that i was trying to figure out like okay this is cool like it's okay for me to do this now and i started to get into that and then when that band ended is when i started to get a, an actual proper musical education okay. at finger lakes and that's when i started this is a stick up i actually started this is stick up like my first week at, at college and okay. it turned into that was that was the band that I guess I've went physically traveled the furthest with. We did. We ended up sounding like. Uh, but at the end of the band, we sounded like Comeback Kid with a trombone. We were mm-hmm. like a fucking like straight up hardcore band, and it was really. I mean, it was it was definitely like a ska core band for most of its progression. Yeah. And but then it became like that, and that band eventually broke up because people moved away. But that was that was a band where like like on the Hideout tour just now like I had people come up to me twice and be like, "Are you the guy from This Is a Stick Up?" So like I guess some people were paying attention to that. So that felt like amazing. Like I had I know there's there's two people that had This Is a Stick Up lyrics tattooed on them, and like when that happened to me, I wasn't like I wasn't like hell yeah you should tattoo my lyrics. I was like oh my god I'm not worthy. Like thank you so much. I can't believe anybody cares about like this fucking music I'm making so like that was really awesome but yeah so stick up ended somewhat naturally uh happy we were it wasn't a bad ending uh still friends with those guys and i waited a couple years i tried to force myself i don't know why to not kill myself with music anymore and then it just you know like an alien when the the damn thing burst out of his chest or whatever blah! that's what music did it like it was like no like you will blah, burst out of my chest like you will not you will not stop doing this so i was um i started hideout with travis and cody and hideout was the first band i've ever been in is the first band i've ever been in that doesn't have a brass section okay. but interestingly the kids that are going to shows now they don't know me from this is a stick up mm-hmm. and it's funny because hideout has gotten on larger shows at least locally than stick up ever did just by virtue of not having a brass instrument. <laughs> Even though in many ways, I think a lot of the late stick-up stuff was much heavier than Hideout. Mm-hmm. But people, you're a ska band if you have a horn. Even if you play jazz, yeah. you're a ska band. You know, <laughs> it's just weird. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of where we end- I ended up now. And it's fun. We're having fun. Awesome. Good now, the, the first two bands you mentioned, what were those names again? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much, but I love you. Uh, my first band was called the Bovine Rebellion. There's there's a MySpace somewhere. It's okay. horribly embarrassing. If if you want to, if anybody who actually listens to this wants to uh, lose faith in me entirely, please look that up on MySpace. And then this, you guys release any? That's the other thing. I'm yeah, yeah. Our first album was called Still Shooting Blanks. And that was a. <laughs> we sold it in school. I sold it in school and out of a Buffalo Bills duffel bag. I made a bunch of CDs in my house and printed them on my printer and folded them up. Was it a full length? No, it was like a five song okay. EP. Yeah, there's no there's no full length for that band. And then that if, if anybody out there has has a copy, <laughs> I want it. 
It's terrible. Travis will probably listen to this. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Unfortunately, I'll make sure he does. Now he'll he'll find it and give it to you. And then my second band was called the Peg Leg Pirate Squad, which also put out I think one EP okay, and then broke cool. up. Uh, this is a stick up. We put out a full length called Cartography. That was how we when we were on Open Hand Records. That was the record that we toured on. That was a record that we, you know, that that's that's the record you'd listen to if you wanted to hear what that band sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, that that record I'm I'm not as embarrassed of. I didn't I don't like the way we recorded it, but I guess it's it's part of my past. It was fun. So and. So how much touring did you guys do in This Is A Stick Up? Uh, a lot. It used to be a lot easier to book tours than it is now for people who are touring now who have to use like Facebook and other channels to conduct their operation. When we toured, in, we started touring in 2008 or 2007 or 2008, and we did a couple like short New England runs. And then 2009, we decided right as we graduated that it would be the best thing in the world to do the entire United States, which was awesome. And I, along with the other guys, spent several months, probably from December, early December, early December, January, February, March, booking, we booked 52 shows in like 30-something states wow. using just MySpace, exclusively wow. MySpace. You'd, you'd search a band by genre and location mm-hmm. and message them and be like, book me on this day. And they'd be like, I can't book you, but this guy can. That's awesome. Yeah. So basically, that was the uh, method that we used. And we did. we were on the road for two months. And I was 20. I had just turned 20. And my mother was I – remember, I remember packing up my stuff and – uh, my mom was crying her eyes out at me leaving. She was, she was mortified that I that I was going to go, and I um, I knew I had to do it. All, it's funny, all the songs on the record were about like me wanting to tour. So I'm playing these songs on the road. I put the record out. We get the presses three days before we leave, and then we just go. Cool. And it was you, was it an actual vinyl record? No, it was okay. a CD. It was a CD. Okay. Vinyl hadn't shows you how far back this was vinyl yeah. hadn't like exploded like it has now yeah so back then people actually still bought cds and when we did that tour gas was 350 to four dollars a gallon <sighs> i remember those days yeah the tour cost uh, i think we calculated it was like over three thousand dollars in gas we, we basically broke even i don't know how like yeah. it was a miracle <laughs> that we made it back That's awesome yeah um, and then what what year did you guys wrap that band up i think 2011 okay. early 2011 we had played together in at some point in 2011 yeah um, with endangered youth and i remember like was that it flying squirrel it was definitely at least one show at the squirrel that was stick up slash show okay we didn't know it at the time but that Did was you guys play with paranoia dance party lot well so paranoia dance party was on the same record label okay. as us and so was best of the worst who played here yeah. last night if you're listening and i missed that listen to best of the worst they're amazing they're so they are they yeah. played here at vineyard space yes like, last like with two us. years ago, yep. and they were incredible. Yep. And then yesterday, I didn't. I was scrolling through Instagram, and it was already like eight o'clock. And I was like, "This is the worst is playing." Yeah. Why? Why didn't I know about this? Yeah, they're they're still some of my best friends. That cool. that like that open hand records like that Scott core sort of group that I that I was a part of. Um, never those people have never left me. They're yeah. still some of my closest friends. They still get us booked. I still play with the people that remain and their new bands and mm-hmm. they're all really good musicians. But yeah, PDP was also on Paranoid Dance Party. It was on the same label. They're from Tampa. But the three bands would meet up and we'd play a show together and it was really cool because people knew how to play parts from each other's songs. Yeah. So like one band would be playing like in the middle of a song another drummer would jump in and play the drum part instead and vocalists would switch off and anybody that saw the three bands play together it was like this like cacophony of just insanity and it, it was awesome. it was so much fun yeah that that show that endangered youth had played with you guys and paranoia dance party was one of the most fun shows we had played because we 
we always felt like we were we were such a weird band and didn't really fit with normal hardcore bands and so it was really fun to play with you guys because you guys were heavy but yeah real weird in a different way than yeah we were, and it was it was a lot of fun so i'm glad that you remember that because yeah. that was that was a fun time yeah it was it was depressing to write that we're breaking up post but I, n- I never have any disillusions about the longevity or rather the fact that bands are ultimately finite which i think is part of like to me that's that's a beautiful thing almost mm-hmm. you know you know like the band that plays for too long and and they're too old and yeah. some of the sort of glory and the magic that you may have liked in that band early kind of disappears it's cool when a band just ends and the memory is sweet so that band kind of ended when it should have and still love those guys they have kids a lot of them have kids now i think nick and will have kids and good for them they're awesome dudes so i'm happy for them at what point did you i'm assuming you've always been straight edge yeah okay yeah you've never done yeah never smoked never did anything This uh, is this is fun. I usually, I mean, Travis made fun of me one time because I told him I don't really talk about being straight edge. But then I realized he goes, he, um, he goes, yes, you do talk about being straight edge all the time. And I think, <laughs> I think I do a little bit. I think um, it's something I'm excited about. Mm. And most of the anger that came with it early has left me. Um, to say I've always been straight edge is both true and not true in that. I have never done any drugs ever. I've never mm-hmm. tried. I, I actually don't know what it feels like to be intoxicated, yeah. which is very different. But I felt that way before I knew the straight edge movement existed. Mm-hmm. I use straight edge today as a word to describe my beliefs or what I do very simply, but I don't, um, I don't do it because of the straight edge movement. The, mm-hmm. the straight edge movement and the fact that hardcore is associated with it is a, is a wonderful convenience for me because <laughs> here are some songs that sort of reflect the things I'm feeling about drugs on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the music is furious and fantastic, just like the punk music I grew up listening to. But the ska music I grew up in the punk was all about getting wasted. Yeah. And, you know, so that music had nothing to do with my <laughs> beliefs. And then conveniently I stumbled across like edge hardcore. But yeah, I've always been. Okay. So my whole life. Cool. Yeah. I mean, and I... I try to, um, as I've gotten older, I guess, trying to be like an ambassador for the sober community in that I, as a kid, I was so angry about it. And it was a dominant force in my like adolescent life, like feeling, feeling like wronged about, you know, the fact that everybody had to drink. Like, I think every angsty straight edge young kid feels that way. I, I was in no way unique, but mm-hmm. now I'm trying to sort of, um, listen to people who use and maybe listen to why and and just live my life how it is and if somebody sees like oh that guy has fun and like is feels very fulfilled without you know needing to use drugs if i see that and that happens that's wonderful but no longer is there any objective to like convert people i'm not a uh i'm not proselytizing you're not an evangelical yes exactly edge, exactly whatever i do i mean to be honest, at the core, I do think it'd be better if, if pe- more people were, but I don't, I don't assert any any sense of, I, and I mean this genuinely now. You know, it's not a tongue in cheek comment. I really try to not feel like, oh, I'm better than anybody. I, I actually don't. You know, I, I addiction is very close to my life and is very very destructive in my family. So I've learned to forgive and to love despite those things, and I'm trying to. And I think successfully to do that with, with people in my life today. And, you know, there's no reason that people who are sober and people who are not can't 
get along. And there's no reason that there has to be this hard divide. I, I guess sometimes I feel like straight edge hardcore, although I appreciate what they're saying, it can be a little divisive because it, it has this sort of uh, attitude of um, it, 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 not just in its tone and its aggression, but it is very, like, I don't know, I'm, I, maybe I'm repeating myself, like, it's divisive. There's there's this attitude, you know, uh, us versus the other, which is yeah. not healthy. Like, you and I were talking about, I've talked to people here, and you and I have talked about this before, same thing with the secular community and the religious community. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as an atheist, you know, I have my misgivings about religion, but you and I are you and I are of different spiritual beliefs, yet we come together for this collaborative effort in the music yeah. scene. To me, what we're physically doing in the music scene is of more significance than your or my beliefs. Mm-hmm as far as those things are concerned, I try to apply that to the way that I look at drug use and stuff. Yeah. Are you, you're the only edge member of your, of your band. Is yeah. That correct? Okay. Yep. Everybody else is not. <laughs> and so we always joke about it. Actually. Like we were talking about how funny it'd be to print a shirt that had like, uh, like in that stereotypical, like big font, like, you know, Rochester straight edge and then have like a hand, like with a beer and then have it say like smoke weed every day, like on the same shirt. Like it's just like really confusing, like merch, like, what's going on with this band? Like, <laughs> like is that a, is that ever an, an issue or a problem? No, the, on the road or no, the guys in, yeah, I, I'm glad it's not. None of the guys in my band are like Coke heads or anything. Um, they're all really responsible. Like they'll not drink before we play and then have like one beer after, Yeah, you know, they drink socially. None of them are like, I don't Party know if they years. smoke. Yeah. None of them. They're, they're always respectful of the spaces that we're in. They're never trying to like get, you're never here getting drunk in the parking lot, for yeah. example. So like it's never, a, and it, and there's never any friction. And also when it comes to issues of, uh, divergence in beliefs, I don't put any of those things in the lyrics because I don't, well, I wouldn't write straight edge songs anyways. Like I said, you know, as I was talking about before, but if they're not straight edge or whatever, I hate that we're using that word, but if they're not sober and I'm writing a bunch of songs about how great it is to be sober. I feel like that's unfair to them because they don't have the same, they don't have the same presence in terms of like their ability to write the lyrics as I do. Cause I'm the vocalist. Yeah. So it, I know it would make me uncomfortable if I was in a band where all the songs were about partying. So right. like, I'm not going to do that to my bandmates. Yeah. So I try to keep that out of the, I do keep that out of the lyrics entirely. So yeah, there's really no friction. It's literally not even a topic of discussion for us. What have you guys released as Hideout? So here we go. Here's the shameless plug portion uh, <laughs> of the interview. Uh, yeah, we just put out Vacant Lungs. We got, that's our, our well, I, I guess I should start at the beginning. There was uh, our first EP called Some Seek Reprieve, which almost nobody knows about and no one's heard. It's kind of like, it's almost like, it's, it's like, uh, it's like melodic punk. It's it's much lighter. And then there was no rest. And then which is an EP. And then Vacant Lungs is our full, first full length. And we're really excited about the fact that it's coming out on vinyl through Mutant League. We've never had a vinyl release. I've never put out a vinyl in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't even own any vinyl. I'm not gonna lie. Like a lot of the guys that are like doing interviews in here, are like yeah, I have like a hundred records. Like I collect all these records. I guess I've never been into like gear or collecting records mm-hmm. or you know even as a musician i don't collect pedals i don't collect guitars i have one guitar yeah. i have <laughs> the only pedal i own is because my bandmates made me get it because they told me my clean tone was really bad I'm, I'm very much like a plug and play kind of guy i make noise yeah. on purpose but yeah so i'm still excited they're putting out vinyl though because even though i don't personally collect vinyl i like that in this time when music is very intangible digitally vinyl is i'm just i almost burped vinyl is like this big art space 
Mm-hmm. There's a big picture on it. Um, there's room for lyrics and pictures inside. It's, yeah. it, it gives the the person who who likes your music something to hold on to more than a, a chintzy jewel case. Yeah, and there's so much history with with that format. I, yep. I love it. Um, I'm not like a huge collector either. I, yeah. I've got some, but... Dude, it's expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> going to record shops. I was on, on a lot of record shops on tour because everybody in my band collects vinyl except me. Uh, so, and Spencer, our our photo guy, who's amazing, who did our music video, he uh, uh, he collects vinyl. Him and his girlfriend like vinyl. So, on tour, we were in like three or four different record shops, and I don't buy anything. But I, I guess I guess when I'm in the record stores, I appreciate. You can't you can't uh, like I said before discount the visual component mm-hmm. of music. So that's why I like it. Yeah. And that's that's where people are actually buying music. Yeah, days, it's which cool, is, which is awesome. It's not up to me to decide what people want. It's up to them. So yeah, and and I, again, I'm just going to be happy to have that to hang on to. We should be getting them in soon. Um, and there's pre-orders up right now. If anybody listening to this, you know, cares or wants to help, there's uh, if you find our our Facebook hideout and why we've got like a pre-order link up, and they'll ship out soon. We got like hoodies and shirts on there too. I feel like a salesman right now, but. That's all right. I mean, you're allowed to. You're allowed to play do a little bit stuff. of. Yeah, that's true. I guess yeah. where else am I going to do it? Exactly. But here. <laughs> yeah. Not that. Not that. Like. A million yeah. People are going to listen to this. Um. I wouldn't complain if a million people listen to this. Yeah, I'd be. I feel very self conscious. I would think like, where did I sound funny? Like, where did I talk weird? <laughs> but. Yeah. So what? What is next for you guys? You guys have any big tours planned out? Yeah. Um. Kind of. So. Okay, I shouldn't say kind of. Yes, this is a big year. We bought a van. We we all bought a van. There was no like, there was no moment of are we going to do this? It was all, it's always been yes, yes, we're going to do this. And we got Pete, our new drummer. He's wonderful. Cody, if you're listening, I love you. But Pete was the one that wanted to tour. Cody wanted to like move on and get married to Danielle, and we we love them very much. They still come to our shows and yell yeah. in my face. They're amazing. Two of my great friends. But yeah, Pete joined the band immediately. We bought the van. Uh, the record label thing happened right after Pete joined and after Cody had tracked vacant lungs with us. And then now we got the van. We just came back from a New England tour, and then we're gonna go out again in a month or two. In fact, we'd go out immediately if it wasn't for the fact that I have to take time to actually book the thing. We're gonna do like another week. We might do like the Midwest. And then we're trying to get on the fest right now. If anybody's listening oh, to this sick. who can get us on the fest, that would be amazing. Our label's trying to get us on the fest. And I mean, we're trying to get on there. And then we're going to do the whole East Coast. We're going to do like a couple weeks uh, later at the end of the summer. So, yeah, we're, we're going to try to be consistently touring all the time now, which is awesome because I have been – I feel like I'm wasting away. Not that I don't love the people in my life here, but that is a need for me. So the fact that we're doing it is I feel – this is like the best year I've had in a while, 2016. Oh. So, And hilariously enough, though Vacant Lungs is just coming out, I guess I may as well mention that we're significantly into our next full length record. That's awesome. Yeah. So very little of it has anybody heard. We played one of the songs off of it at our last show. Oh wow. Yeah. But most of it is gonna be kind of kept under wraps for a while. We're writing with Pete, and Pete's very experienced, so his drumming is allowing us to do some things that we couldn't do before and kind of we're all kind of there's something very cool about playing with the same people for years and the songwriting chemistry that develops. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling very excited about the fact that these guys tolerate me and my, you know, even in this interview, you can tell I'm very scatterbrained and very all over the place. <laughs> and they, they tolerate that and they tolerate my um, impulsiveness and, you know, they trust, trust my contribution to the songwriting. I trust theirs. So now what's happening is 
the development is really happening. Like the forward momentum is, is happening and we're trying to keep up with, I guess we're bad at like social media. We're trying to like post stuff and show people what we're doing more now. We've been pretty bad at that, but it's, it's because we've always been so focused on our songwriting. It's, it's like, I'm always just thinking about songs and I guess that might be a weakness for me, but just the way I look at music. So word. Yeah. Was, was Pete in some other Rochester bands before Pete? Cause he, I I don't know him. Yeah, what's up, Pete? I don't really know him very well. We, yeah, I met him when you guys when he joined your band, but he yeah. looks real familiar, and I can't place from where. Um, <laughs> he used to be Spencer's roommate. Actually, the way the way that I added <laughs> the way that he got in the band, I was on Facebook and I saw him pop up in my feed, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he like dresses punk rocky. <laughs> Didn't wasn't he a drummer? Like I'd met him before at a, at a house show okay. that we played. We played a house show in Brockport. Do you, did you, you didn't go to that. But I didn't go to that. It was awesome. It was so fun. Who else, who else was on it? Uh, there was, else I know. there was exit emergency and survival soundtrack. There are bands okay. from like Iowa okay. and storm the bay. Oh, weird. yeah. So that was amazing. It was so much fun. And Pete was there and I remembered that I had talked to him briefly that he was a drummer and I, I called him, no, I, I messaged him and I was like, don't you play drums? He's like, yeah. And I called him and I was like, are you any good? <laughs> I remember I literally just flat out. I was like, are you good? And he's like, well, uh, let me tell you about my background. And he's like, I've been playing for this long, blah, blah, blah. And he hadn't ever been in like any like bands that were, you know, touring or doing anything crazy. Okay. But he said, I'm really interested in playing with you guys because I saw you at the house show and I liked your music. And I said, okay. So I gave him two songs from No Rest to learn. And I said, if you can learn like even one of these before like a couple weeks from now, we practice, it'd be really cool. He's like, okay, man, I'll do what I can. So we go to his house and like we set up our gear and it's like all awkward. Pete and I weren't friends. We didn't know each other. I knew nothing about him. I was like, hey, I'm in your house with my amp. Like, let's be loud. And then he was, he's like, okay, let's play genetics. And I just, I never forget it because he just clicked into the song and he played it perfectly the first time through. And I was like, you know, I, at the time to Pete, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to like keep evaluating you and we're going to check out some other like candidates. And we had some other people that we were, we were considering, you know, that we were, I think that one kid, Caleb Barefoot is his name. Yeah. Yeah. My roommate. Oh, okay. He's yeah. cool as hell. I love that yeah. kid. He wanted to play with us and I was going to give him, he, I feel so bad because he was really cool. We were, we were going to audition him, but the audition with Pete went, he was evidently the drummer. Word. There was no like, he might not be right. I felt bad for not giving Caleb, a, but we had a show like four weeks later. <laughs> so I needed to get Pete ready. So I, I kind of felt bad because that kid has always been super cool. And I, I think and he was at, he was at the show yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah. So I felt really bad because he's really supportive. But yeah, Pete just learned. He learned the whole set in like three practices. Cool. And we we were like, yeah, this is, uh, this is feeling good. But yeah, so Pete is excited. That was his first tour he's ever been on. That's he's awesome. 25. And I uh, I felt so happy that we could, <laughs> we could pop that cherry for him. <laughs> so I hate. This sounds. This is such a generic question, but I always genu- genuinely want to know. But like, sure, what are you listening to right now? What are you guys? Mm. What's influencing your writing? Like I said, I, I know. Like I like to. What I can find a more creative way to ask it. That's a I good like question. You, but you know, whatever. No, why not ask that? So uh, it's hard for me to speak to the other guys what they're listening to. They don't listen to the same. Every band gives you this line like, "We all listen to different stuff," well, and that's why our band is so unique. Yeah, like I'm that's not gonna, how it is. Yeah, we all like Defeater a lot. I can tell you that's a commonality. Pete, me, 
and I think Travis, we all really like have heart a lot. That's a, that's a band that crosses what I'm listening to right now. <laughs> so I'm really bad at finding new music. I basically don't listen to anything unless somebody's like anything new, unless someone's like here, I'm not like, like I said earlier, I'm not a collector. I'm not a record seeker, mm-hmm. but when I was on tour, I late it's pretty late into the game to figure out this record, but the sound guy at one of the venues between bands, he was, he had on a uh, supporting cast by propaganda, that record. Oh, yeah. I haven't stopped listening to supporting cast for like three weeks or not three weeks. We haven't even been home yet. since I got back from tour. That's all. I put it on my flash drive. It's in my car. I was listening to that. Like on repeat. What else do I listen to regularly? Um, I listen to the Flatliners almost every single day. They're basically my single biggest songwriting influence. My favorite band is always going to be Streetlight Manifesto. But Flatliners, I listen to them. I listen to some of the same bands kind of frequently. But um, let's see. Let's go through my day-to-day. So we'll do we'll do some propaganda usually to start. I listened to Best of the Worst a lot yesterday. Um, I I really like the Drews record. Uh, I think everybody likes the Drews record because it's just a great record. It's it's one of the best Rochester yes. records yep. to come out in a while. I kind of feel I listen to it and I kind of get mad because I'm like those are good songs. I wish I wrote a couple of them. <laughs> but those guys are great and they've been really cool to us and we're excited to you know that we're always playing with them and you know we know them and you know it's just. I, I'm not ever going to be, there are Rochester bands that did really well that I like get like bitter about. And I'm like, I wish I was popular cause I've been playing for a long time and, but you don't deserve like, you're never owed anything. But yeah, no, what I mean is if Drew's is doing well, which they are, I'm very happy for them because I can, I can feel that way genuinely because I love, I think that their music is so heartfelt and honest and genuine that I don't have to have any reservations about enjoying it or them being really popular so i'm very happy that they're doing well and i like that record let's see i really like hmm it's hard to say on a day-to-day basis because i because i can't think of anything except propaganda right now <laughs> it's kind of like that i really i listen to like i said i listen to feeder lot lot dispute is a big influence for me i recently re-downloaded their album somewhere on the river between veg and altier incredible record oh my god such a good record yeah it's, that's it's real effing sad yeah like i it's it's, it's so sad, sad that i've actually had to like i had to i had to put it away for yeah. a while and not not listen to it whatever he was going through that's or whatever story it's really depressing i, I discovered that album like right after like, being engaged in the engagement ending so like oh cut like really really deep and I that's what that it. whole album's about it, it it's about it like a divorce like or something. It, yeah. yeah, there's a whole so, line about like breaking the wedding vows and that. Yeah. And so, I, oh, I'm sorry, man. I mean, I I could listen to it now. I'm, I'm over it. It's but like a knife in the for, heart for a while. <laughs> it was it was heavy. Yeah, that no, record's that's, great. That's a really good album. Like records that make you feel shit. Are, yeah, are some, the best. That's that's the purpose of music is yeah. to is sort of help guide you through your feelings. Yeah, which is so cheesy and cliche, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's you know, I think everybody feels that way. Maybe if I go not too much longer on what I've been listening to, I um, I listen to Flaming Tsunamis a lot. They're one of my favorite bands. They are Folly. I listen to pretty frequently, especially lately. I've been listening to a lot of Folly. But yeah, I mean, my musical diet has stayed relatively the same. I just try to find new. If if you know any bands that are gritty punk bands that are melodic, that are fast, that I should listen to. You should be eyeing me them, basically. Right. Force, if, and if anybody's listening to this, give me records to listen to. I am really boring. But you don't have a turntable, so not actual records. No. <laughs> Link me stuff <laughs> or give me high-quality zips of things that you think I should hear that would make me write better songs. 
Did you ever? Uh, I feel like we've talked about Strike Anywhere multiple times. And you're always like, oh, yeah. I don't really listen to them, but I should. I have, a, I have a Strike Anywhere record that was sent to me by Bridge Nine in one of the merch packages I owned that's still in its shrink sitting on my desk. And every time I clean my desk, I go, oh, that's Strike Anywhere. Adam says I should listen to them. And you then should. it's just shrink-wrapped, and I just always forget. And it's, it's just sitting there looking all pretty in its card stock and... Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So that's that's the next one I should do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you like a do you like a Wilhelm scream? I I do. I love a Wilhelm scream. Oh, okay. That's another band that I get influenced by a lot and is amazing. So they, I, wait, I feel bad because I'm mentioning like all these like local bands and stuff, but I um like I said, it's not because I don't love you all. It's just because I'm really boring and lame and I play video <laughs> games all the time. But you you have Hideouts played. You, you guys are like one of the mo- bands that play here at Vineyard Space like most, a lot i think you guys have played here a lot yeah um, which has been awesome yep this space is one of the most important places in rochester and that's why we did the whole like fundraiser thing and i'm, I'm not gonna take credit for that because all the kids stepped up to the plate on that one that was a fucking huge success i put this thing up and in like three days they had donated like five or six hundred dollars and i was just like punk rock is alive and that's why when people say like rochester sucks i want to move out i'm like you don't understand this city actually is pretty freaking awesome yeah i don't share that pessimism about it i mean uh, i guess it's and that's that's refreshing to hear that from you since you grew up in in the area because i think a lot of the people that grew up here don't always appreciate how rad this scene is and i mean i do because i'm a i'm a transplant yep but and if I'm from the middle of nowhere, so where? Uh, Central Pennsylvania. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, there's there are people that are doing really great things. Uh, Tyler from Condition Oakland. Okay. And uh, Chris Castillo from the Greater Victory and Ted Hazard. Like those dudes book a lot of shows and do a keep, good job. And I'm like, it's a really cool, close knit, weird little scene down there. And I'm really proud of what they do. Uh, but. I really, I really like Rochester. Yeah, legitimately, that show that you guys played here was safe and sound, and coming down, and Reverie from Buffalo, maybe the best hardcore show I've been to in Rochester since I moved here. That's awesome. That makes me feel really happy that you feel that the way. The vibe at that show yep. was perfect. It was perfect. Oh, that band coming down is ridiculous. Actually, I should have yeah. mentioned that. That was exactly what I like. All of Roy's and, bands. Yes. Are, uh, are and have been he was in how we are back in the day yeah also that band reverie was right up my alley they were awesome i'm gonna find them and heard them before seeing them live like actually i know joey from he played in a pop punk band called impact that i booked when i was still living in pennsylvania one of the guys from reverie yeah in like 09 so i've known that guy for a long time but, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know any of them. I met them, yeah. uh, and me and the guitar player were talking about Ninja, Ninja Turtles at the show for like an hour. So I, they made my A list. They nice. were cool. Coming down was good too. I don't like, I like I said, I'm, I'm more like punk rocky stuff. So like, I don't get in, as much into like the really like heavy hardcore. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were freaking awesome. I was driving the whole time. There wasn't a bad band on that show unless you didn't like my band. And uh, <laughs> and like the kids, there were so many people there. They stayed till like the end of our set. It was just. I, I have I have faith in our scene right now, and there's no like the internet can be a cesspool for oh this bullshit happened at this show that's why Rochester is terrible. I see a lot of that stuff all the time, and I don't mean to be like the old guy, but like usually it's from like younger kids that yeah. they see something that's that's shitty, like somebody fighting at a show, and like they're right that sucks. Why are you fighting at a show? 
Shows are not for fighting. I go to a show for the opposite of fighting because I'm there to feel good. And if I'm playing to express myself, if I'm not playing to listen to music I love, I'm not at work. I'm not suffering. I'm not starving to death. And we're very fortunate in this country. And if you can go to shows and enjoy yourself, you know, it's a privilege to be able to do that. And when kids fight in them, I just don't understand it. I guess I'm just not that mad at anybody. And maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not a, in, in the right place in hardcore, you know, if I'm not like that angry, but like I said, you know, it, I'm not ashamed to admit it growing up. It was, it was, we could talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. My mom always, you know, you, you treat girls, right. You, you love them, but you stand up for what you believe. I've always held that very true to myself. I don't bend for anybody, but I don't feel like I shouldn't, um, be kind and sensitive and it that's getting easier as i get older it's you, your life gets a lot less complicated mm-hmm. as you mature you know that probably yeah. yeah so i'm an old dude too yeah we're old guys yeah it's it's cool though but yeah so the, next year oh well we'll have, a, we'll have a 30th party for you here I'm, I'm but into it. those young kids will say yeah those young kids will say that you know the scene sucks because they see a bad a bad uh event and absolutely call out that this shouldn't be done but don't don't feel like the whole scene is terrible because of a few bad experiences mm-hmm. that you've had don't contribute to uh the toxicity that you perceive in your community try to do your best to you know attend shows support the bands you love because i've been playing shows here for a long time and right now is one of the better times it's been mm-hmm. so the toxicity of our city <laughs> Dude, system of a down rules. They do. I'm, and I'm leaving that in. I'm not cutting it out either. No, why would you? It was maybe the best moment of the whole podcast. I like how he goes from like a like a throaty to like, a, yeah, what do you own the world? He's like very like high and he's like floaty. Dude, the bands. Yeah, they're amazing. So good. Uh, what did you think of the newest Ninja Turtle movie? I didn't see it yet. Oh, man. I need to see it. Is it terrible? Um, Isn't it very Michael Bay, like CG? It was, yeah, it was entertaining, but... They, they looked real weird. To me, Ninja Turtles is like, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. But There's not enough vanilla ice. Yeah. Too much Michael Bay, not enough vanilla yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah. They're they also CG'd instead of being in costumes. Yeah. They just, they, don't they need to be in costumes? Yeah. It was, just, it was weird. Like, it was entertaining. Like, it was flashy. Yeah. And, um, I, I went and saw it by myself, which was a little little weird. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you? Call? I would have went with you. Well, I was. I was actually. I was out in Geneva. Oh. Okay. I was. I was. I was. I was helping. I was helping a friend do some caretaking for the for her mother who is. Oh. Okay. Elderly. But then you were like, "We did the caretaking." Well, yeah. I, I had, need to go. I had all this. I was staying out there, and I had all this. I had like free time in the afternoon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, "What am I gonna do?" Uh, so I went and. Saw Ninja Turtles and it was. I mean, it was it was entertaining, but it wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't as good as the old stuff. Oh well, you can't beat the uh, old school costumed, awesome yeah. Ninja Turtles and the cheesy like eighties music. Dude, did you ever get the uh, the cassette tape? The the Ninja Turtles cassette tape. Absolutely. From Pizza Hut. Oh, uh, it wasn't from Pizza Hut. I had a video and a tape that was the coming out of their shells yeah. tour. Yeah, I, th- I got it at Pizza Hut. Oh, you did, that's where you got it. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's where I got it too. Then I don't know, but it was I had a VHS too. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't have that. The I just VHS. had the cassette tape, which I still own. Awesome. Yeah, I could never say anything bad about that. Ninja Turtles was amazing. I had all the toys, all the uh, played all the NES games. It was a good time. Maybe I'll maybe I'll play a Ninja Turtle one right? of the Ninja Turtle songs on the podcast, dude. You should at the end. That's how it should end. Yeah. That, Shout out to play. the guy in Reverie with his Ninja Turtles tattoos. He's, uh, he's got a sleeve of them. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll uh, I'll play some hide at the beginning and then uh, yes, 
then awesome. do some Ninja Turtles at the end. All right, man. Well, thank you for hanging out and talking in the basement. And no problem. The new hideout record, is, I'm sure, is awesome. I haven't heard it yet. Please, but I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, pre-order it. Give me your money numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen you guys play a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the songs already, but yeah, yeah. Um, for anybody who's uh, you know uh, supporting us and who is, who does come to our shows and stuff, I I a lot of bands will be like, oh, thank you so much. And they, I'm sure they mean it, but I just want to reiterate that we really appreciate anybody that's paying attention. I don't say that to be a cool guy or to make you buy things from us. We don't make money. Every band that you know that you love loses money, all of them. We're not special, but we do genuinely appreciate your attention. I really appreciate the opportunity to let me do this from the bottom of my heart. So thanks, man. Seriously. Yeah, man. No problem. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Sweet. All right. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, what do you own the world? Yeah, what do you own the world?